Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. What's up, everybody? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a great episode today. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by StodzyMedia.com. Stodzy Media is an online marketing agency dedicated to growing your business and create an online marketing campaign that will increase your revenue to get cash money in your pocket. This is real, real digital marketing services. We range from search engine optimization services so that your customers and potential clients will come straight to you. We can build you really large social media followings and social media advertising campaigns to, uh, to leverage the ridiculous amounts of attention that are being spent on social media these days and, uh, and bring a lot of that attention to you and your business website. Do you need a new website? Do you need to revamp your current business website? We can do custom design and development projects. You don't have time for all this stuff, guys. Come on. You have to be running your own business. You have stuff to take care of. Let the professionals deal with your digital services, your digital marketing. To get you started, we run free audits and reports. So if you go to stodzymedia.com, you fill out the contact form, I will run you a free in-depth audit on your current web presence, your current website. I will even give you a checklist of some improvements that you can make on your own if you think that you can get started on your own. Once again, go to stodzymedia.com. That's S-T-O-D-Z-Y.com. My guest today is my good friend, Tom Dennell. Tom is just like the coolest. He's just such a cool guy to talk to. Um, he and I have very different approaches to our digital marketing strategies. Uh, a, a lot of people know that I'm way more leaning towards the organic traffic content search engine optimization type strategies and he uh, has a, a lot more expertise in the paid advertising and uh, conversion type strategies. So we got into some really great conversations about that. Uh, I had a great conversation. He's just a super, super intelligent guy. Uh, he's very thoughtful and I, I really enjoyed every second. So please help me welcome my good friend, Tom Dunnell. All right, well, let's do this. What's up, Tom? Tim. Tell me more about this documentary that you were just telling me about. Actually, you know what? But before we get into this, Tom and I were chatting uh, before we went live on the podcast, and he was telling me about a documentary that you saw about a blind magician, a.k.a. card mechanic, I think you said was, was the term, right? Yeah, he called himself a card mechanic. What's uh, his name? More his, importantly, what's his name and what's the name of this documentary his, so that people his, see it? His name's Richard Turner. I don't know. Um, I forget the name of the thing, but it's on, it's on, it's on Netflix. You can, you can look it up. Richard Turner, card mechanic. Um, the guy's amazing. He does, uh, he calls himself a card mechanic and not a magician because, you know, he doesn't do tricks, right? He doesn't, um, pull a rabbit out of a hat you know mm -hmm. there's, uh, he's not going to open his jacket and like birds are going to come out of it right mm -hmm. he's just he just plays with the cards and he does up close card tricks so you can be sitting right next to him and he can manipulate the cards 
in such a way that you're like certain you know where the queen of hearts is and then he flips it over and it's like the two of diamonds or something like that um the really interesting thing about him though is that when he oh and by the way ama you know uh up close magician of the year award winner i mean you know he's What's AMA? Uh, I think it's the American Magic, Magic Association. Association. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I put that together as soon as I asked yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is it? And then I got it. They yeah. have an association for everything, by the way. He's, uh, he's also completely blind. Uh, when he was 12, I think 12 or so, he started losing his vision. He had mag- so he wasn't mag- born blind? No, no, no. He's, like he was, degenerate? He, exactly. He could see, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Macular degeneration, it's called. Mm-hmm. And he, it starts where... Everywhere you look has just like a tiny black spot. And then over time that just grows and grows and grows. And it's just taking over your whole field of vision. And um, it seems like a really scary way to, you know, scary way to go blind. But, sure does. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it was, uh, that, 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 was, that was a cool doc. Kind of inspirational. One of those where, you know, if you're ever feeling like you're having um, like a tough day, you know, you can like think about, think well, about actually, that. actually, yeah. What it's, it's like to slowly go blind. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. That sounds super fascinating. Um, for those listening, I'm going to put the uh, the link or the title to the Netflix show in the show notes of the uh, the iTunes episode and also in the blog. So you and I have chatted over the years and especially over the last couple of months specifically about kind of our industry. Um, I'm really into internet marketing. You're really into internet marketing. You, uh, It is your career and your profession as well as it is in, as mine. I've gotten the feeling that you and I take different approaches on it. Um, I've always been comfortable in like a content marketing aspect where I, I can write and you know now I've added podcasts and even some videos to the content that I produce and then spreading that content as a way to build an audience and then once you have an audience kind of selling a product or a service to them and please tell me if I'm wrong because I'm kind of shooting in the dark here it seems like you come from uh, more of like an advertising and conversion type background is that the case if it's not the case please correct me and tell me tell me what it is that that you specialize in yeah I, I, th- I think you're probably right about that Tim so I my, my first ever job in marketing was a uh i was a hot dog man at a minor league baseball stadium cool i was 14 and my friend just kind of said hey i think you could do this job and so he, he he gave me a tray of hot dogs and stuck a baseball hat on my head and he was the manager he said go sell you know mm-hmm. so i had to figure that out really quickly and you know a hot dog is not something uh, it, uh, uh, a hot dog, something you need to sell right away, right? Uh, so um, there's no, you know, um, there's no shelf life. There's no shelf life, yeah. exactly. You know, you're not during the course of a baseball game. You're not really getting too many repeat customers. Most people buy one and done. So it's unless like, you're in Philly. What they they like to they I like mean, to mound just down and eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I went, I've been to incidentally I've been to sports games in Philly and and uh, and it, it's and and everybody seemed like they were too busy yelling at each other to actually eat anything. But maybe yeah, they're the best. <laughs> um, yeah. So I learned how to sell uh, sell products by by selling hot dogs um, to people uh, at a small baseball stadium. And, um, and it was there that I learned how that you have to be outgoing and you have to be confident in your message and that you can do other things besides having a product to get people to pay attention to what you're doing. Okay. Something we would do, uh, me and the other vendors, we would or organize it so that we would periodically get up on the dugouts and do like a synchronized dance, you know, to music, um, 
I would bet, you know, bet people that I couldn't do, you know, 60 push-ups in a minute. And you know, back then I could. And, uh, you know, otherwise they'd have to buy hot dogs from me. I, I would, I'd put funny hats on my head. Anything to just differentiate myself from... Call attention. Call attention to myself, yeah, mm-hmm. from, the, from, 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 from the game or even from the other vendors that were my friends, but also my competition. Well, I think that's great. And I want you to continue down that path that you were heading. But I wanted to interject a little bit because I had a real similar experience with my start and I tell people a lot and I'm not like by any means a guru or an expert on this, but I'm very grateful for this really hard, gritty sales position that I started with because marketing and sales are two different things. However, I think a huge bump in the road for people is the uncomfortability of like asking for something and just being like, hey, buy this from me because there's a couple of things. One, there's the fear that they're going to say no, which if you've never dealt with it before, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it can be really terrible because then you're just standing there, right? And you're like, "Uh, okay, (laughs) like see you later, like in super (laughs) bad. From that, there's also just learning to deal with the over and over and over again, over and over again, like, hey, hot dogs for sale because I was a phone rep. So I had to do a a whole lot of phone sales. And that was before I even came to Florida. And just being hung up on over and over again because you're essentially bothering people. I mean, I think a hot dog is vendor is a little bit different because like the context of the sports game probably allows for that a little bit more. But sales is the most important thing that I think anybody can know because it doesn't matter how good you are at a particular skill. If you can't figure out how to trade either the product and or the time for your service for money for dollars, then like it's worthless. You know what I mean? You could be the best plastic surgeon in the world, but if you can't get anybody to pay you to be a plastic surgeon, then it really doesn't matter. So I like that you started off as a sales guy because I always relate to those people because they just understand the importance of language and tone and body language and and like building trust and all of those things that essentially like digital marketing is really about. It's just over a different um, context of communication, right? Yeah, I mean that that's that's absolutely right. There there are. Um, I, I also uh, uh, spent a little bit of time working in phone sales and. Um, and uh, I, 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 I trained, I trained other reps, and and I, I found that that was one thing that was so difficult to get across was that you can have two people, you can have ten people, ten guys on the phone, uh, reading the same exact script, mm-hmm. and some of them are going to sell better than others. They're going to say the same exact words. Right. They can even say the same, take the same amount of time saying right. those words, but. It, it, how you say it, the tone of your message, whether or not that's resonating with your audience is so, so important. And then like the other, the, 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 the skill to do that is the skill to like, uh, sort of, uh, emotionally, intelligently examine what are you, what am I doing and how is my intended audience reacting to it? And if they react differently from how I would like them to react, then it's probably not the problem with them. It's probably my message is screwed up in some way and I need to learn and adapt from that so that next time I encounter a customer or a potential customer like this, I know, oh, okay, I, now with this type of person, I need to, I need to, uh, I need to behave this way and that'll be a, a, a better chance of success versus if I behave a different way like I would with another customer. 
I totally agree. And we're going to get to the digital stuff, but I guess I'm just such a sales junkie that I can have these conversations over and over again because there's there's always a a level of trust that has to be conveyed. And so whether you're person to person selling hot dogs, whether you're on a phone or whether you're putting together language on a web page, like if you don't have that trust, then the person's not going to give you their money. So I say that because you're good with your words and you speak really well. And I've noticed with you that's something that you're very, very talented at, which is something that I've been trying to get good at for a long time. And I just I, I'm not as good as you at it is your copywriting. Where did that even come from? Like, did you learn on your own? Were you all, did you always just kind of have a knack for writing taglines and writing good copy? Because it's in, in the same way that in like a traditional business uh, standpoint, the salesman is like the most important person in, in the business. The copy and the copywriter is that like equivalent from a, a digital standpoint, right? Mm. So like the copywriter is kind of the most important person in the entire business because without that person, there's no conversion. So like that skill is so valuable. Where did you learn how to do that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. The copywriter, the copywriter sets the tone that a customer evaluates when mm-hmm. they're making that decision whether or not to trust you. Yes. And then then they write the they write the commands, right? They write the the, the calls to action do this. that explains what the customer needs to yes. do if they want to be involved. So yeah, I, I think it's super important. I um, you know, I used to read a lot as a kid. I read a lot of um, you know, science fiction. Uh, I read, funnily enough, I read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh my God, um, I've read every Calvin. I have every single one of them. Yep, same. And yeah. uh, and, and and I think that's a, such a well-written so strip. So brilliant. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, you know, the comic strip is an amazing, um, it's, it's almost like digital in a sense because you have this limited... Um, uh, area of content like in a Sunday morning newspaper you have I don't know uh, three panels by two panels you know a, a strip and you have to get a message across you know and so uh, Calvin and Hobbes specifically but you know other 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 comic strips did a great job of it of packing that that um, a good message into a short amount of space but um, but yeah growing up reading a lot that kind of gave me you know a, a little bit of a um, uh, of exposure to you know different styles of writing different ways of explaining things it definitely enhanced my vocabulary and um, and then um, after college I went to work in New York City I started um, I got a job at a small uh, advertising agency and we did uh, we did websites and uh, CMSs and email mm-hmm. campaigns and early, early pay-per-click for um, like real estate developments in New York City. So these big buildings would get built and they'd have to sell the units and we, you know, we were in charge of doing that. Um, so uh, I was a project manager and uh, so I was kind of like the final guy in between uh, production and the account managers who were going to present the work to the client. So I learned really quickly, like if you send them something that's like not really well thought through or maybe misses part of the brief, then it's going to get kicked back and you you're going yeah, to have to go back to your stupid. team. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because you said it was good before and now your team's saying, well, what's different? And now you have to explain it. Yes. So. So I learned to uh, try to add value to any work that kind of bubbles up to me from my team and try to make it better than if 
say my you know the client or my account manager was just working directly with the creative team because otherwise like what's the point like what why why do i exist as a project manager if i'm not adding value right if i'm just an order taker and then giving instructions and writing emails i I, i'm I'm not i'm i'm not really adding any value my my job could be done by a email forwarder script right so i learned to kind of be critical of ad copy during that time and then I, I i got a job at a better agency and you know started to get some get work on some national clients you know i did some work for at&t and for pepsi and m&ms um so so these big big name clients you know i got a chance to touch some of their work and you know i kind of learned you know what were the what are like the ultimate standards you know what are what are what are like the real pros looking for because at that time i still felt like you know shit i'm totally I'm totally faking it now. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of making it up every single day at work. Truth be told, I still feel that way a lot of the time. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. I think everybody does. To caveat real quick, I remember reading this interview by Paul McCartney five or six years ago because he never learned how to read music. And he said he suffered from like the worst imposter syndrome where his whole career, he was always like, why does everybody think I'm so great? Like John was the genius. Mm -hmm. Like I was just some guy and it's Paul McCartney. He's like the most influential musician i mean maybe <laughs> michael jackson right of sure. the last 50 100 years sure so you're not the only one and if anybody listening to this feels like they're faking it like that is okay you just keep faking it and you keep moving forward and eventually i think you'll feel like you're faking it a little bit less and less so so you became very critical and you mentioned that you had you you learned what the ultimate standards are do you have like specific criteria of what makes a good tagline or do you just know it when you see it um i i read a book recently by um i i I gotta remember the name of the guy but it's called on writing well uh it's by william zinser yeah i've never read it but it's it's a pretty prolific copy writing book to, to me it's 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 the bible of copywriting for a lot of people yeah and it's actually is actually written as a, as a manual for journalists okay for people who are writing articles in newspapers at the time it was first published in the 70s uh, but it applies just as much today um, it stresses uh, and and I you know I, I vibe with this uh, c- completely it, it stresses using as few words as possible right mm-hmm. so like writing economically so um so the opposite of what trump does <laughs> yeah yeah basically <laughs> and i mean probably you know all politicians right i mean yeah, to some extent you know no matter what side of the aisle you're on and i try to stay away from politics completely by the yeah, way yeah me too but, this isn't a political yeah, podcast yeah. i was like oh shit <laughs> um but uh but but uh, s- s- some of the some of the uh, sort of official communications that we get from the government, or you know maybe you know if you work in a in a in a job where you know you're you're working for a, a company of you know ten or more people, uh, which is most people, um, you know you probably you probably get some memos or some company announcements or some emails that you know if you really think about it, you're just kind of scratching your head like what is what does this actually mean? I, I see it a lot too in resume writing. This is something I've been super interested recently. You know, um, you, you'll see somebody. You know, so let's say you know, I just use an example from my 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 career. You know, you see someone who's a project manager, and you know, bullet one of their of their resume will say something like, "Intelligently crafted and maintained numerous project schedules, in, ensuring budgetary and timeline restrictions were met." 
Okay. And what they really... <laughs> exactly right, what it says, right, too. Right. <laughs> and the, you, mean, you probably read like a hundred of those resumes. And like, what does the guy... What, what, what does this person actually mean? Well, they mean they, 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 they did marketing projects and they kept them on time and under budget. And I would much rather interview the person that is telling me in plain English what they did, not trying to obfuscate it behind so-called professional language mm-hmm. uh, and instead just just giving me the idea to read what does this person mean and can I picture in my mind like what are they doing on a day-to-day basis and that is such a rare skill I mean you can go on LinkedIn right now and look at probably 10 of your friends profiles and you'll, you'll probably read some some stuff like this and they'll just kind of make you scratch your head and think well, you know why are we why are we writing like this? Why why are we not communicating in in a way that's just like natural and cool and, and allows me to say, oh, okay, well, yeah, this, you know, I, I can understand what this person does and shoot, you know, they seem like they would be good to have around the office. And so, yeah, let's call them in for an interview. You know, that's what a hiring manager is thinking. They're, they're not thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, um, you know, they're not, they're not trying to hire, you know, um, uh, 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 Tim Cook here, right? They're, they're, they, they just want someone who's going to like not too much trouble to be around and it's going to do the job that they asked and like you have a pretty good idea of who they are as a person so that that's that's one example from the from the hiring and sort of like hr side of things but you know that absolutely applies to copywriting as well i 100 percent agree with the standpoint that less is more i know about the book on writing well because there's a blog that i've been following for years called Mm copyblogger.com and it's a guy named brian clark who uh i guess him and seth godin together are kind of considered like quote unquote the godfathers of of modern day content marketing and uh i totally adapted my writing style to be what they call little bite-sized chunks so because people are always scanning content on their phones nowadays like very rarely do people read uh, the resume is a, a perfect example like people don't read entire resumes they scan it and they get the information they need as quickly as possible and then they move on to the next so like how can you compile your content even if it's a long piece and break it down into headers bullet points quotes tiny little paragraphs um bold underline like regardless of how short or how long it is i think the key word is storytelling i guess like a a really easy example would be grow your business follow these steps to achieve your dream or something like that's a a super cliche tagline but within those 10 words or however much it is you just told a story and more importantly you conveyed to somebody an emotional response because i think without some kind of emotion there's not going to be a conversion on it because people have no incentive to act I think you're right about that. The the word that I like that I like to sum it up is economy. Right? We want to be less is more. Yeah, we we, we want to be economical with our words and 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 motivation is an important thing to me. You know, the, the reasons behind you know why am I doing something is important to keep in mind as I as I work. Do you think that's more important? Like, I think the emotion is probably more important than the economics. I think saying things in few, in as little words as possible is very, very important. But I think if you take a long time to say it, but you still convey that emotion, that's that's more important than 
saying it in as few words as possible. Well, the the idea that I've been working with lately that I've gotten mm-hmm. a lot of mileage out of is uh, is being mindful of your reader's time. So as a uh, as a as a as a former you know salesperson, I. Um, believed for a very long time that my job as a salesperson was to convey my message like get it across by you know sheer force of will and make sure that by being enthusiastic and loud (laughs) and domineering in the conversation that the uh, potential customer would just receive everything that I was putting out because they would basically have no choice Mm -hmm. right and I'm and I, and, I, and, I, and I tried that for a while and I saw that wasn't working super great for me. I mean, it was working okay, but it was kind of, I felt like I was hitting a ceiling and, and, and what was actually going on was that I was making, uh, I was making customers feel uh, like dominated, right? And, and people don't like to feel dominated. They like to feel like they are a part uh, of, yeah, they're a part of the decision-making process, right? Like they have a choice to make and ultimately they're the agents who get to make that decision. And so when it comes to, to writing, uh, I like to try to remain, uh, very respectful of my reader's time because if I, if, if my first sentence, it does not, uh, grab their attention right away, um, there's no guarantee that they're going to give me another shot in the second sentence. And if my first sentence doesn't transition well into my second sentence, they're going to, they're going to think, well, you know, th- this guy's all over the place and I'm going to lose their attention. Um, this is something I see a lot lately on LinkedIn. Uh, have you heard of broetry? Broetry. No, I can't wait to find out what it is though. <laughs> it's a great new term. Please tell me. It's a great new term. It's um, li- uh, uh, it's it's super common on LinkedIn posts. It is where you have a uh, some creator of content. Maybe it's just someone that's on LinkedIn. They want to make a post. They want to convey some message. They want to get something out there, and they'll write a sentence, and then they'll double space and write another sentence, and then they'll double space and write another sentence. So they basically they'll make this story. E- each sentence is its own paragraph. And they're short sentences. And there's a lot of kind of logical leaps uh, between sentences. And it's really, really popular. I see it a lot on landing pages. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you see that a lot. Um, And um, and it's very in right now. It's it's very trendy. Um, But I think it's 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 starting to be very overused. And um, and and I think more importantly, it it's it's a lazy form of copywriting because it skips uh, it skips the logical steps required to sort of lead a reader through your own thinking and to a place where you know they'll be receptive to hearing whatever message that you have to say so i i, I think we'll probably start to see less of that i guess maybe i hope because I, I just I, I don't like this style you said linkedin do you use linkedin a lot i do actually yeah yeah Tell me what you like about it because I've given it a shot a few times and I'm also just a little bit biased towards social media as a whole mm. just because of the whole like present what you want the world to see ideology behind it. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as it of it and I don't like when I find myself doing it. So maybe I'm like projecting that on everybody else, which I guess I got to be careful of. But on LinkedIn, I just really, really, really find that to be the case where everybody's a genius everybody's a marketing master. Nobody ever makes mistakes. Everybody's like only ever had huge successes in their careers. But I'm sure there's like a networking capability to LinkedIn, which I've just 
I've just completely ignored. So how have you used it and how has it benefited you? So yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, like, like, like any social media, it quickly turns into kind of an ego show. Yeah. Uh, as you know, as people listening probably are you know well aware, every social media channel has its own sort of purpose, right? Uh, th- th- this is why it's not a good idea to use something like Hootsuite and just blast the same message out to every single channel. I'm, I'm glad right? that you said that because there's definitely context behind everything. Definitely. Um, especially, well, I guess that's a broad statement, but when I when I say everything, I mean every different social media platform. Like, there's a reason why people are there. There's a a flow there's an audience there's there's a context and if you don't hit like the cadence of that context i think that you're just throwing it out and your your specific message is going to get missed because you're not speaking the language of of the audience exactly right you're not marketing at at that point yeah it's just yelling yeah it's exactly it's a it's 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 good to you know take a little we'll take a quick little side detour here and like uh you know if you're listening and you're interested in marketing you know i've heard people say they do marketing and they can all be talking about doing completely different things what marketing is is just communicating the appropriate message on the appropriate channel Right, it's not blasting everybody with the same message. Right, it's uh, it's it's thinking about who's going to receive this and how am I going to present it so that they receive it well. That that that's that's all it boils down to. I love that. I've never heard that before. And and we can communicate it in lots of different ways. Not just like writing, right? Not just copywriting or branding, you know, um, or even TV commercials or emails. Uh, you can also communicate things through like the price of your product, right? Or like or even like where you can find it where you can find the product. Right? Yep. That's another way to communicate. So again, so that kind of ties into social media channels, right? You wouldn't market a product the same way on LinkedIn as you would on Instagram, it's just completely different audiences. And you'd be missing the mark if you tried to hit them both with the same message. But so to answer your question about LinkedIn though, um, uh, the, the primary reason I use it is as a personal professional SEO. <clears throat> I want, I want when, uh, potential uh, potential client or uh, potential employer or potential friend in business. I, I want when they search me, when they search me out online, as everybody does, I would like for them to see a see my professional strengths. And if they decide to click on my LinkedIn profile, they're expecting to see, okay, well, what, what are this person's professional credentials? You know, where have they been? What do they probably know? Like, what do they do on a day-to-day basis professionally that might be able to help me? And so that's why I use LinkedIn primarily. And then this, the second thing is it has a really powerful search. Uh, it's got a great advanced search. So you can, you know, you can search for, if, if I wanted to say, learn more about, I don't know, uh, machine learning, right? I could, I could do a search in my local area and I could say, look at people who are first connections of mine and, and their connections. So in my sort of circle and their circles, anybody who's got the phrase machine learning in their like description or somewhere on their profile. And then pretty soon I have a list of people who I could reasonably reach out to. So you use it as a, a, a lead generation tool. Yeah, and but lead is almost too, you know, that's almost too like uh, you know, b- business like for my purposes. You know, I if if I, like almost like a uh, like a like a net like a like a powerful networking tool, mm-hmm. right? Because I I, I might want to reach out to someone not for anything related to business at all. I might just be interested in 
machine learning, machine learning. or you know, gumball machines or you know, whatever popcorn or like whatever it is that they that they're that I'm looking for that I want to learn about. And I can say, hey, you know, you don't know me, but you and I both know Tim Stoddart. And I was wondering if I might give you a call and we could chat for a couple minutes or maybe I could take you out for a cup of coffee because, you know, geez, I'd love to learn about this new technology and it looks like you know a little bit about it. You know, what do you say? And so that's, that's, uh, it just makes networking a little bit easier. I absolutely see the value in there. My thought process behind, I forget the term you use, but personal SEO. So somebody searches for me. My thinking was always that I don't want them going to somebody else's website to find me because LinkedIn is that like you think that you own your LinkedIn profile, but you don't LinkedIn owns it and all the content that you produce on LinkedIn and all the stuff that you do isn't really yours. So my, my ideology behind it was always that if somebody is searching for me, I want them to come to my website where I can control the user experience and I can potentially build a relationship with them directly through email because kind of same thing like I'm going to own my my email audience as well look I on my Instagram just yesterday I made a post that I'm going to start paying more attention and like respecting social media a lot more simply because you know I can yell from my high horse all my all I want but there's millions and millions of people that use social media way too many hours during of the day. And if I want to like be involved in those conversations, then I have to play the game. Right. So I've made a commitment that I'm going to spend more time and attention on it, but I'm going to do it kicking and screaming. And I think <laughs> I still feel that inbound search, that SEO is the best conversion tool because of the intent behind it. You know, so if somebody searches for something like plumbing company in Delray Beach, Florida, you know that that person is looking for a plumbing company in Delray Beach, Florida. And if you can position yourself to receive that hit, like the conversion rates on that hit are going to be so much higher because as opposed to something like like Facebook or even if you're running LinkedIn ads and you're putting ads in front of people who are currently searching for something like machine learning and then all of a sudden this ad gets thrown in front of them for a plumbing company in Delray Beach, Florida, they have no intent to look for that right now and there's a chance that they won't even click on it. But if they do click on that ad and they get to a landing page, which is all filled with copy for why you should hire this plumbing company in Delray Beach, Florida, but in their head, they're still interested in machine learning like the conversion rates behind that are just going to be so so weak and i've always been weary of spending too much money and time on building this like social media audience that really is just on social media because they're bored and because they have really low attention spans so like every time there's a commercial on like anything anytime there's not some kind of media flashing in front of their face they pick up a cell phone and they scroll instagram they scroll facebook but when they're on google and when they're actively searching for things it's because they have a problem and they're trying to solve that problem and i think like that spot right in between i have a problem and i need to fix my problem is the best place to be for a digital marketer I just want to like a little bit of a, of a rant there, but I'm interested to hear your take on the difference between 
kind of what I call push marketing. So like pushing a message in front of people, usually through advertising and inbound marketing, which is positioning yourself to solve people's problems. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we, we live in such an interesting time now because uh, up until the last few years, you, uh, your, you know, what you call push marketing, uh, which is like, you know, impressions based marketing yes. was, uh, was, you know, was how like advertising, which is a part of marketing advertising was done. Mm -hmm. You would take out a, a, an ad in the newspaper, or if you wanted to be a little bit more targeted, you would, you would put an ad in like a, you know, industry, uh, publication, like a magazine. And what you would hope is that the right kinds of people would see your ad and you'd have two hopes. One, you'd, you'd hope that like the people that need your service right now would like stop what they were doing and call you right away or like tear the ad out and save it. Uh, that would be the first case. Like they would take action, right? Um, like a direct response. And then yes. the, the, the other thing you would hope would be that they would like remember your name and, and associate you with your particular product or service in the future when they did need that, 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 that product or service. So like yep. more of like a branding mm -hmm. goal. And you just kind of had to hope that the ad salesperson uh, who sold you the ad was like telling the truth when they told you about the readership and, and about mm -hmm. the you know, prior uh, in engagement levels with other ad advertising. And that was kind of all you had. Um, now, obviously, things are things are very different. You can you can advertise to someone on a social media channel in right in the middle of their Instagram feed with a sponsored post uh, or, or advertisement. Um, but you have so much more control over who sees that message now. My, my, it gets this gets talked about uh, among marketing people, and they just kind of um, discuss it like, oh yeah, it's another tool uh, to our disposal. But it is, in my opinion, the most groundbreaking advertising weapon uh, in any uh, marketer's toolbox is the lookalike audience. Let, let let's just consider that for a second. Mm -hmm. If you've been doing business for a little while and you've got some customers and and you you, you kind of have a good idea who you think your your customers are, you can get get their email addresses. You can take about 150 of their email addresses, and you can put that upload that into Facebook Ad Manager, and Facebook Ad Manager will look at those at the accounts associated with those email addresses. It won't tell you their profiles. It won't like link you to them, but it'll. It'll, it'll Facebook would never do anything like that. <laughs> well, yeah, not for not, not uh, for, for themselves they might, but yeah. not for us. Um, and they'll say, okay, these 150 people, they became your customers. They must like your product, so you must want to show your advertising to people who look like this group of people. And now all of a sudden, you can you can blast your message out not to everyone who's reading a newspaper or everyone who's reading a magazine, but Facebook will selectively show your ad only to people who are like customers that you already have. It's the most amazing thing. And it, it, I, 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 maybe, you know, some people are still amazed by how amazing it is. But for me, it just, it blows my mind every single time that we have the, the power to do that. Now you, you, anybody out there with a business and, you know, a couple hundred bucks to spend on Facebook ads or Instagram ads can take advantage of the machine learning algorithms of a multi, multi-billion dollar corporation and use it to sell their own products and services. It's absolutely amazing. You and I, again, were just having this conversation before we even went live about adding advertising and 
pushing a message into sort of the service arsenal that we have at Stadzi, and I'm going to do it. Like, I have to play the game a little bit, and I know that. I just really, really, really feel that it's going to get harder and harder to get your message in front of people who are so used to having ideas and stuff thrown at them. I just think the conversions behind digital advertising, especially social advertising, and especially mobile advertising, ads that show up on your phone, are just going to get so small. I think it's kind of going to be the modern day Google banner ads, what that is now, or even a YouTube kind of pre-roll ads. Like Those things don't convert, but they get they get seen millions and millions and millions of times a day. However, I think that what's going to happen is it's going to be a lot and probably already is a lot more influencer based. So instead of pushing a message through advertising, you're pushing, you're leveraging somebody else's audience. Okay. Great example. That motorized skateboard right there in the corner, that boosted board. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's cool as shit. I know. But the only reason why I bought that is because I follow a really famous YouTuber uh, named Casey Neistat, who sure. does these vlogs rolling around on his boosted board. And I, he doesn't even necessarily pr- promote the product. Um, I think he's actually on their board now just because he was a fan of the product. And simply by showcasing it through his 9 million YouTube followers, I think it completely changed the business of boosted board. I think now that there's individuals who kind of have their own social tribe, we could say, are going to be paid endorsers for products and or services. And I think over the next five years, 10 years is probably too long, but I think five years, that is really going to be like the what what people start spending their advertising dollars on. If there is one, let, let's, let's kind of wrap it up with this. If I've said my piece, if there's one thing that somebody can do especially if they're just starting off to grow a business. For me, it would be create a blog, create a podcast, create a YouTube, slowly build an audience. And then once you have an audience, listen to them because that way you can sell them something that you know they already want, Mm -hmm. right? That's my style. If you had to give one piece of advice or one like foolproof method to do this, and only this, what would be your your pitch? Uh, for somebody that's just starting out a business. What I'm asking is, in your opinion, what's the best form of digital marketing? I, I think in early days, uh, a lot of business owners get, they get high on ideas, right? They, um, they have an, a notion for a product that they want to sell and maybe it's something that they're really good at and they already know how to make a good one or how to do a particular service in a, in a certain way. And so they start making leaps in their mind to like where, where they're going to be and like how big they're going to get and, and that, that type of thing. I think when you're just starting out, the, you, you need money coming in, right? Uh, you, you laugh at that, but that's an important thing to say. Yeah. Because a lot of first business owners, they like forget that, you know, and they don't realize that money is really, really important for a business and they have ideas and ideas don't 
pay bills. No, you can't pay. You can't pay your landlord in ideas. Yes. Uh, and really, you can't even run your business on ideas either. You need uh, money for people who are just starting out. I would say, um, you know, find uh, find your first two customers. Right. You don't. I, I mean, if you want to use a digital tool to do it, email. Okay. Or or get on LinkedIn and do what, what I mentioned and find people who are likely to pay money for your product and figure out whether or not your intuition is right about that. Because if you spend the three months, six months, nine months, you can spend a year creating blog content. If you're, if you haven't had actual conversations with real customers and gotten actual feedback about the shit that you're putting out there, then it could like, all be for nothing. It could all be for nothing. Exactly. You could, like you that. could make a really nice looking blog and feel really good and get that little hit of dopamine every every time you hit publish um, mm -hmm. your WordPress. But if it's not what the customers want, like what's the point? Seth Godin did a did a, a talk about this where he, he talked about, you know, if you want to start out, make a product for like 10 people, you know, and like get them paying money for it and then figure out like how to sell the next 10, you know? Um, so, so I would say, yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, keep, keep things simple, keep them focused and like get to the point as quickly as you possibly can where you're, where you get to ask someone for money. I love how this all came back around, right? Because at the end of the day, sell something. Mm. If you don't have that, then you don't actually have a business. You have a hobby. I mean, really more likely you have like an expense that you're not even enjoying the way that you would enjoy a hobby. <laughs> exactly. You know, you just have some shit that's like dragging you down. So, I mean, after hearing that, I, I guess I would probably change my viewpoint too. Like if you're just starting, my viewpoint would be, I don't even know, like don't even build a website, find something and sell it. And then the money that you make by selling it, make it better and sell it again. And then the money that you make from that, maybe build a website and then use that website to sell stuff. But at the end of the day, man, like I just love hearing that because there's so much content and so many like entrepreneurial gurus who are putting out these crazy messages and just the real idea behind what it actually is gets lost. And it's very, very simple. It's one person exchanging a product and or service for money and you do that by selling stuff i think that's like a, a perfect way to to wrap this up do you have any any of your own stuff that you're working on that you want people to know about yeah i'd i'd, <clears throat> I'd love to i've always got stuff that i'm working on but you know you can get on my website at tomdenel.com uh t-o-m-d-e-h-n-e-l.com and then the, the, there's another pro speak uh to totally go the opposite way from making money i'm um there's uh something i've been working on <laughs> for the past year or so uh it's called the free advice project um you can find that at free advice project.com uh, but uh, my my friend and I we we set up a table in in busy areas on the street with a couple of signs that say free advice what? and uh, we just we just try to help help people solve whatever problem. They oh have man, I with. wish I knew about that. Yeah, it's, we it's, could have done the whole podcast on that. <laughs> well, maybe I'll I'll come back and we can talk about how free That'd advice. That'd be really is cool. All right, TomDenno.com free advice project. Once again, guys, at the end of every episode, I take time to thank you. Um, this month, I'm going to hit, I think, 1,600 downloads, which is definitely the best month that I've had, and especially in December, which uh, is usually like the slowest online, uh, not for shopping, but the slowest month in terms of, of uh, website traffic. So I really, really appreciate the emails. If you could, 
Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you also could, please take three minutes to just leave an honest review. Those reviews really, really help um, to get the show at the, the top of the iTunes. Tom, thanks again for coming in, man. I really enjoyed the conversation. If you guys have any other questions, email me, tim at stasi.com. All right, guys, I appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Bye.